I'm glad that he's kicked out and I hope that he never plays again. And welcome to the Down and Fun Podcast, the official podcast of downandfunpodcast.com. My name is Warren, and if this is your first time hanging out with us, thanks so much for joining. What we do here in the Down and Fun Podcast is that we review movies, TV shows, all over a nice ice cold or hot beverage. You never know. Uh, and have a or good time. It's going to hang out. Or room temperature. That- uh, yeah, some wines are good, at really good room temperature. So, good call, good call, Brian. Uh, tonight we are going to be giving you a full review of Creed Two, one of the newest films in theater for right now. Um, it's actually going to be a sequel if you haven't caught on uh, to Creed, uh, starring Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, and Sylvester Stallone, and a bunch of other great actors and actresses. So, I'm actually super excited to get into that. Uh, we will be talking about a lot of things on spoilers, so we will let you know when we get into our spoiler section. But for now, I'm going to toss it over to one of my best friends. We became a lot closer this past weekend, but at the same time, we still remained friends. Brylin, how's it going, man? Mouth of the South. What you sipping on and what you been watching? I'm good. Uh, congrats to the UCF Golden Knights for winning the AC again and being perfect again. Perfect, baby. Y'all did good. Yep. Uh, what I'm drinking right now is uh, I decided when I went to the liquor store to use a very um, mathematical approach to finding a bottle of alcohol tonight, which I call the mocha method, which I would just wouldn'tly definitely went through the liquor store and just found the cheapest thing i can find but the coolest label so (laughs) and also some of that's thematic to tonight's film so i found this red blend called dark horse double down yeah right there really cool like horse wine label right there um it says on the back that it is um has firm tannin structure combined with notes of lush dark fruit and hints of caramel to create a bold and complex wine that's sure to crush expectations. Mm. Um, and after taking a few sips, it is actually for a $10 bottle of wine, not bad. I could definitely drink this. It's really good. So It will break expectations. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm digging it. I love that. I, I love that wine. That was actually one of my favorite ones because I was going on like a ten dollar bottle. Like, what's the best buy? And I saw that. I saw that actual bottle, and I was like, "Is that like the double down, like the KFC sandwich?" <laughs> yeah, it's a bottle of wine between two pieces of chicken. Oh my god, it's so good! <laughs> I love. No lie, I was a fan of the double down. I really enjoyed eating a bunch of double down. So. You should bring. You should had, bring that sandwich back. I had one double down and never had another one ever in my life. <laughs> I try it once and I don't try it again because I am afraid of failure and disappointment. <laughs> but um, 
what I've been watching recently is uh, I just watched, finished season two of Mystery Science Theater 3000, the reboot that's on Netflix. Um, they had six episodes this time, and it was still a lot of fun and consistently funny. Uh, people like Felicia Day and Jonah, uh, Jonah Ray actually make the show definitely work, and even though the original cast of Mystery Science Theater 3000 isn't there, that this new group is still keeping that spirit alive, which this would actually be the 30th anniversary of the first season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is crazy to think of. Um, but it's actually uh, really cool that they're continuing this very niche um, genre show that uh, is a lot of fun to watch, so I definitely find that very enjoyable. Okay, um, I didn't. I didn't actually try to watch it, so I assumed it was a special and not like the new season. Yeah, they just call the new season the Gauntlet. Is all, <laughs> so <laughs> it's nothing special to how you watch it. It's just like what Jonah's going through and all the robots are going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, on Netflix, I watch The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is the new Coen Brothers film. Uh, and it is the Coen Brothers at their quirkiest. Uh, they have a lot of amazing, colorful characters here. Uh, but it's also a cool anthology film that they did. So they actually tell six stories in the Old West. And they take every single... Um, trope of cowboys and western cinema and turn it on its head in just the most wonderful ways through wordplay and just wonderful actors that um, just make up these really cool stories and some of the stories you'll be laughing at some of the stories are going to break your heart as well but overall it's also beautifully shot up watch this on my new 4k tv and wow it is amazing how beautiful it is um then that's one thing you could always go to coen brothers for is just amazing cinematography but shout out to tim blake nelson making one of the most interesting characters ever uh but i would say like the high point for the series there's a story called the meal ticket that stars Liam Neeson and another guy, and it is beautiful, but it's also very heartbreaking at the same time. And it is, it gets very dark, but it's also wonderful to watch the relationship between these two people trying to survive in the Old West, which is really cool. Nice. I mean, that show is popping up everywhere on Netflix, and I think every time I go there, it's like trying to get me to watch it, and I'm like, uh, not now, not now. I, I get it, I get it. Um, but I'm glad that you actually kind of enjoyed it, especially with the amount of the characters. I feel like it's always kind of created to see um, some of these things that was popping up on Netflix. So it's cool. Well, as always, it's uh, great to see your face and have you on here. I'm going to toss it over to my other best friend who uh, beat me in fantasy. So kudos to this guy for his first win of the season. <laughs> Mocha Mike. Mocha, what's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight? And what else have you been watching? Privet, amigos. Uh, what's up, everybody? I want to make it abundantly clear that, A, I'm a polyglot. And, B, that was not my first uh, win for the season. But also, I do have a uh, habit of winning fantasy football matches if I'm going to be a host on that person's podcast the next day. Happened with... Uh, with Dom, and now it happened with you, Warren, so uh, that was poor scheduling on your part. Um, anyway, as for uh, what I'm sipping on, uh, what I've got right here is, again, keeping with the trend of trying to stay at least somewhat on brand, I have a 
Let's see. It's a dry, it's a double dry hopped double India pale ale from my local brewery KCBC called Wolf of Siberia. Um, neither Romania nor the Ukraine are in Siberia, but that was as close as I could get in terms of uh, geography and the beers in that fridge. So uh, it'll have to do for now. But it's pretty sick. KCBC is a brewery in Brooklyn that is uh, literally like uh, not even a full block away from me, and they make really solid beer. So I'm looking forward to drinking this tonight. Um, as for what I've been watching, I had been on a tear of watching a bunch of shows that I'd missed out on, trying to catch up on things, some more, some mostly gritty. Um, so I decided to take a lighter approach this week and treat myself to catching up on the latest season of Bob's Burgers. Uh, for anyone out there who doesn't watch Bob's Burgers, you need to just find a way to fit that into your life right now. It's uh, one of the funniest shows on TV, amazing characters, amazing voice actors, and is... Like a surprisingly wholesome, feel-good family comedy about a uh, a lower, like a working-class family who runs a seaside burger shop. Um, but despite it being overall wholesome, it's certainly uh, adult in its humor and just really good quality uh, jokes in it. So definitely, if you want something to cheer you up and lift your spirits, watch Bob's Burgers. You can see it on Hulu or watch it live on Fox. Nice. I mean, it's still Fox, money. Oh boy! Oh no! Um, I still never really watched this show. I probably watched it like maybe a couple times, but I do enjoy Archer. So I assume people who've watched and heard of Archer will they like the show too? Uh yeah, it's the exact same show. So you should watch it. It's okay. not the exact same show at all. I was like, but not, not um, even close. If you like H. John Benjamin's voice and you think he's a funny person, then you'll definitely find him funny as Bob. His, his character, Bob, couldn't be more different than Archer, actually, in terms of personality, um, which is funny because H. John Benjamin has such a distinctive voice. And even though it's clear that he is like it can be anyone else playing those characters, those two characters also couldn't be confused for each other. Uh, they're mm-hmm. super they're very, very different. And uh, it's cool to see a voice actor bring so much uniqueness to a role without actually changing his voice. Yeah, I'm waiting to see uh, the episode where Bob turns into a can of vegetables. <laughs> well, the can of vegetables was in the background and um in the is in the kitchen for one episode. Oh no way! Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. I'll have to I'll have to <laughs> find out the episode for you. But yeah, it was a little Easter egg. Amazing. Cool. Well, Mocha's always uh, good to see your face, and I'm glad that you're on here. Thanks so much for joining tonight. Uh, my name is Warren. Again, I will be the host this evening. Uh, actually, I went on a different of a tear tonight. Of uh, I am not drinking an alcoholic beverage. First time all year. Yeah, I know. I was just too lazy and also really busy at working. So I was like, I forgot I didn't have anything in my house, but that's okay. Because uh, I actually mixed up a couple different things to hashtag David's Tea. As always, I love drinking tea and I made a bit of a blend, a little tea blend. I have a strawberry rhubarb parfait with some guava cadabra. So Nothing about that sentence was masculine. <laughs> no, not at all. Guava cadabra. Guava. Guava. Guava cadabra. Akio guava cadabra. I mean, I'm not going to talk about my Harry Potter obsession and Wizarding World just just yet. Uh, but this uh, tea is actually quite delicious. So if you do have a chance to actually mix these up with a little bit of honey, it's absolutely delicious. Uh, and what I've been watching, I actually took a chance. Uh, have you guys heard of the show called Forever on Amazon Prime? No. So it's a show called Forever on Amazon Prime. It's a TV series, uh, and it stars and has been created by Maya Rudolph, and it also has Fred Armisen, and it also has Catherine Keener, and a couple other kind of characters and people that kind of come and go. Um, 
I don't think this show is for everybody, but at the same time, I feel like everybody should watch this show just to see the character work and the development and how something that kind of feels sort of mundane and plain, how the, like, they are amazing performers, amazing actor and actress, like, it, it's great to see that I can basically watch them in just about anything. Uh, and so I really enjoyed Forever, especially because it did have a bit of a darker tone. Um, so I'm super excited uh, to hopefully have more and more people kind of t- check this show out. Because it was getting some good reviews, some good ratings. I'm curious to see if they have a season two. Um, but if they don't, and if it's just one season, I'll still be okay with that. Um, so hopefully you guys get a chance to kind of check it out too, because it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, what makes it, I mean, one thing that I just love about Maya Rudolph, like, is that she has this uncanny ability to just be amazing in everything that she does. Uh, whenever I hear Maya Rudolph's voice, I, I don't get excited. I'm always like, oh, Maya Rudolph, she's pretty cool. She was on SNL. And, like, she's one of those interesting actors that I never enjoyed a lot of her SNL stuff, but when she got into movies, she just kills it every single time. I mean, I think she may have been one of the only people I enjoyed on SNL for uh, for a while. I mean, I like the Will Ferrell sketches and a couple other like the side pe- pe- people. I also love Fred Armisen. Um, so this was it was perfect to to see, watch this. I'm like, I love both of these characters. Like, let me see what else they gotta um, bring to the stage. And they also have like some serious, not as comedic roles but the comedy was really in like the actual dialogue itself and the situations they were put in and it wasn't like these over the top character roles that they usually do um so i really i, I really like the show a lot i'd be curious to see if it does come back so as we normally would do here we're going to go ahead and uh, dedicate a, a couple of uh sips with our send a sip segment and so i'm going to send it over and says brylan what you got who are you sending your sips over to I am sending a sip over to a podcast that I've been recently getting into called the What Really Happened podcast, hosted by Andrew Jinks. Uh, This podcast is also produced by none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, And um, this is a really cool podcast. I I am a I enjoy uh, storytelling and uh, just people crafting really cool narratives. And they always take a topic and build a really cool story around it like one of the recent episodes was all about the 27 club like the uh group of musicians that um committed suicide at the age of 27 then the story actually unfolds into uh finding out that uh 27 is like probably there's a actually skewed number of people actually commit suicide around the age of 27 overall and what is it about the age of 27 that causes people to uh decide that taking their lives is um definitely something to do so it's really it was a really interesting exploration of uh, what that was all about but also they'll, they'll bring up topics that i may not be totally interested in but i'm always willing to listen to the story to see how they actually tell it like this week is all about uh why did Kawi leonard leonard go to toronto and so uh, even though i not really totally invested in that story and everything i am interested to see how they actually tell it which is really cool. So, Andrew Jinks, thank you. I'm sending this up out to you. Thanks. Yeah, and everybody, if anybody is interested, we're going to see if we can post their show in the show notes. Hopefully, they don't hate us for it because we're giving them more publicity. So, thanks so much for a great podcast, uh, Mocha. What you got? 
So I am sending my sip tonight to that girl from social media. Um, I don't know this girl's name, but here's a little story for anybody who isn't in the know. Um, it's a two-parter. So part one, this girl from social media went on and put out a tweet that went viral, wherein she showed a picture of herself and this girl who she met on a cruise one night when they were little, little kids. She's now college age and was saying, oh, yeah, you know, we became like instant best friends. I never saw her again. Twitter, like, do your thing and help me find this person. And um, Twitter did its thing. It got retweeted to, uh, like, to high heaven. And they found the girl within like 24 hours. And there was a nice little reconnection story about that. Following day, some other girl, aka that girl from social media, goes on and puts a, a picture of herself and photoshops in Michael B. Jordan and says, uh, I've been looking for this guy who uh, I met like on a cruise like way back in the day. Um, Twitter, do your thing. <laughs> and so it gets it goes viral because it's just a funny parody. But Michael B. Jordan got word of it and actually uh, sent for this girl to come as his guest to a like a big party out in, out in L.A. Um, and so this girl went from like within a week from posting, like putting a shit post joke about Michael B. Jordan and photoshopping him in to actually meeting the guy and being his date to this, uh, to this gala. So, um, shout out to you, girl. You did the damn thing. I am very proud of you and, nice. uh, you deserve everything that came out of that night. So many sips to you. Good stuff. I love, like, I love, I love the confidence <laughs> I to do that. That, that was, was great. really cool. <laughs> yeah, that video of her actually see, meeting Michael B. Jordan's a fantastic. She just flips the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. That is great. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, my sips are going to go to uh, first my boss. Ugh. Although this dude lost to me, but this guy's great. Um, so he definitely does a lot. So good on you, Avi. Sorry that you could not get into fantasy football playoffs this year. Maybe there's next year, but maybe you can also call Mocha because neither one of you are in the playoffs. Uh, and so not my, in this league. <laughs> not in one league. You know. <laughs> I'm two for two, baby. I'm two for two. Uh, and so the other one I do is that a podcast that I have been trying my hardest not to get addicted to. Um, but if you guys thought my theories were bad for Wizarding World and Harry Potter, you're not even there. Like, I, I don't even know where I am anymore. It's, it's so bad. But the name of the podcast is called Binge Mode. Um, they go through uh, about maybe four or five chapters every episode. It's about maybe 90 minutes long and uh, adult theme. But it's also very funny. They do break down a lot of different literary terms. And they also have a couple different theories about everything. So it's actually pretty cool. Um, thanks so much to Megan Arnold for, for letting me know about this podcast. Because I'm pretty sure my life is going to be sucked away for a while. So I'm super excited about that. So thanks so much. And uh, here's a sip to you. All right, so we are pumped and we are ready. This is going to be our spoiler section. So if you have not seen Creed 2, I'd say definitely pause. Uh, you definitely going to want to go watch this movie. I think all of us kind of enjoyed it. It is definitely a, a feel-good kind of family-oriented movie, so I would definitely suggest definitely go check it out. Uh, pause, come back for a full review in our spoiler section of Creed 2. are back and we are the down in front podcast thanks so much for tuning in to our spoiler section so we are about to spoil and get into all the nitty-gritty boxing 
terms entered here for Creed 2. I have Mocha and then I have Brylin here with us. So excited. We're going to be actually talking about this in a couple different parts. So this is actually a new director. So director's name is Stephen Capel Jr. This is starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson. So they are all going to be returning for this second um uh, sequel of the movie. So it's going to be broken up into acting and characters as we usually do. And then the other section that we're going to talk about is the plot. You know, comparing it to the first movie and if we actually notice any sort of change in directors itself. So I'm curious. I'm going to toss it over to Brylin, um and says, what do you think about the acting and the characters for Creed 2? Uh, yeah, so um, w- w- I will just uh, start off by saying... Um, one thing that's really surprised me about this movie is that it shouldn't really work based on the material it's trying to feed off of, but it definitely does. Uh, and I think one of the big reasons why is uh, Michael B. Jordan. Um, he embodies Adonis Creed and makes him a very believable character that you want to root for. Uh, I like that he doesn't have the same motivations as Rocky, that his motivations are a bit more complex. He didn't come up in the streets like Rocky did. He comes from this uh, life that was privileged, even though he held a chip on his shoulder for it. But it gives you a different perspective and doesn't doesn't make it less um, doesn't make it a less valued journey for his goal to be a boxer than it is Rocky's. And definitely Rocky was the ultimate underdog when it came out. But Adonis is actually like his goal is like let it matter and it's just more of just um, Michael B. Jordan's really good about making his characters be very real and believable and just validating their existence which I really appreciate and I also appreciate that I mean he puts in the work to get ready for a boxing movie I mean you can see in his physicality that he has muscles that I've never known existed before so it's actually really cool to say hey you actually put in all the work to be a boxer so and you definitely make it very believable when you're in the ring or even in the domestic scenes with um bianca he's also showing like oh um i'm a new father now at the same time that i just got my ass handed to me um how do I sort this out type of thing. So it's really cool that we don't focus on just the fights, that it's also about uh, growing up and becoming more of a mature man that has a family now that has to take care of more than just himself as well. I like Um, that because, you know, I was very nervous when they announced this sequel so quickly. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) And... I really enjoyed the first film. I, I really like. And then when we were going, I'm like sitting in the credits, and I saw that it was a different director, and it happened so fast. Although uh, Ryan Coogler, we'll talk of this about this a little bit later. Um, he was still executive producer, I believe, to it. Yeah. Um, I, I I really like the fact that it's a lot of just simplicity with these characters, but they're still complex and they're still relatable you know there's a lot of characters that's very complex and very relatable and they have these kind of layers and you hear me talk about that a lot in a lot of our reviews um but he also it, it was interesting because i was like okay so he's already at the top of his game right it's curious like what do you go from here and they were able to give us some of these things that he's still kind of seeking for and trying to find identity and um really kind of push into trying to figure out you know exactly what's his objective 
and then he fi- figure out he's being a father, so that's dropped on him. So now his entire world, as you said, is turned upside down. So not only he has to figure out what his identity is, but then what's his motivation and like kind of why you're doing it. And I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people and we kind of deal with every day, every year, especially coming to the holidays and the year, trying to figure out, you know, this is my life now. This is something I want to do. Um, and it had this undertone of having this a deeper appreciation. We see that on the screen. And, and, and I really like the fact that, you know, Michael B. Jordan's character, Adonis, really strive to, to put that out there. You can see that his pain and you can see the fact that he's very conflicted. So um, kudos. This guy's a great, great performer, great actor. I yeah. mean, he, he didn't come out of nowhere, right? He's been here. He's been oh. in some shit. So we've seen him in Fantastic Four, at least I have, right? And so I'm like... <laughs> I've seen that movie, but he was never bad at anything that I've seen him in so far. Um, so it it was actually cool. I'm, I'm glad that he's actually kind of doing this again and furthering this character even more. Yeah, and uh, I also love like how they approach his boxing skill as well. Like he may be Apollo's son, but he's not the just once in a lifetime talent that Apollo was in the original Rocky movies. He is more that workhorse boxer that Rocky is and that uh, he's undersized. He's got to use his brain. He's got to learn his opponent. He's got to actually find different skills and those weaknesses and exploit them during matches. Like even when he's up for the championship at the beginning of this movie, it's not a sure bet that he's going to win the championship. People are like, it can go either way. Um, and uh, we definitely see him just get uh, outclassed by a uh, more far superior physical uh, boxer uh, when it comes to it, that uh, he has to actually look at uh Finding what are where's those weak points where you have a opponent that, for all intents and purposes, doesn't necessarily have any weak points. So how do you exploit them? And it's a really cool journey that his character goes through in this movie. Yeah, I'd be curious yeah. to talk about that a, a little bit. I w- I'll toss it over the Mocha in a moment, but I, I'd be curious to talk about that a lot. So I want to pin that here, Brylin, because I I, I, ha- I have some thoughts on that. Mocha, what you got? Well, I was just going to say, following up with what Brian was saying, I think the fact that Adonis's character is scrappy and is somebody who has to who has to work work on his skill and his capabilities and his strategic thinking in order to win is what makes the relationship between him and Rocky work on screen. Um, because Rocky, whether or not Rocky was hesitant about training someone new, it wouldn't. I feel like it wouldn't make sense or it wouldn't feel. I guess authentic, authentic of a connection if Rocky was training someone that he couldn't see every ounce of himself in um, at the same time. Uh, so I appreciate that they kept that going, especially going into this movie. Um, and I like that too about Adonis' character, how he is hot-headed and he has that chip on his shoulder you know, from everything that he's gone through in his life to the point where it makes him kind of irrational in how he reacts to certain things and extremely emotional. Um, because that wasn't Rocky either. Like, he definitely got emotional in the movies, but, um, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm misremembering, but Rocky wasn't the type of person, the uh, type of fighter to just blindly charge in uh, because he was angry. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a nice, uh, while they're, while inter- intrinsically they are extremely similar, they have such different uh, approaches to the style, they're used to, to boxing, um, and I think it just makes it really work not just on screen, but for anyone who's been a fan of the other Rocky movies. Um, but yeah, as far as acting and the characters go, I mean, this film is just star-studded through and through. Everyone who's in it 
coming from the last movie, Tessa Thompson, Felicia Rashad, Sylvester Stallone himself, and then getting back in there with Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. Uh, they're all fantastic actors. And I'll say this, I was really actually pleasantly surprised because up until last weekend, it's like Thanksgiving weekend, I had no interest in seeing this movie. Um, I hadn't watched the first Creed. Boxing movies are movies that I'll watch. I will watch, but I'll, I'll never go out of my way to watch. And my cousins threw it on because they wanted to watch Creed 1 when we were waiting for Thanksgiving dinner to get cooked. And I was like, all right, this movie's pretty cool. And I was like, well, I already saw that, so I might as well go see Creed 2 this week. So I actually got to see them in really short succession. Um, but because of that, I also wasn't paying attention to any trailers. And I had no idea that uh, Dolph Lundgren and the Dragos were going to be the villains or the, uh, the counters in this movie. And so when it opened up and I saw like what seemed pretty clearly like, uh, you know, like, lower like uh, lower income uh like lower income people and like a really great background i was like oh this looks kind of this looks kind of russiany and then um, <laughs> victor sits down and he's eating like the gruel at his table uh like and i was like huh what's, is this what i think is going on and then like he walks outside and you see the back of his head and i'm like oh my fucking god it's 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 ivan drago and i got so excited because i immediately started thinking about the opening to iron man 2 um which i think yes. this is really really similar to yes. in that regard <laughs> And Iron Man 2 is my favorite Iron Man movie, which we can debate that another day because I know Warren doesn't agree with that. But um, but yeah, that made me that I definitely made me my happy. Bird. <laughs> uh, my, my bird, my bird, uh, my bird. Mo- Mo- Mocha, I, I again, you also know that I don't watch trailers, and I think you we had a different approach on that. Um, I liked Iron Man 2. I didn't have any issues to it. I don't think it's the best Iron Man, but whatever. It's one and two for me. But I'm assuming you're two I said and one. My favorite. I didn't say it's the best. Oh, okay. Important yeah, good call. Good call. Okay, so yeah. that's okay. Um, I was also, I was a bit removed, and I know, you know, I'll toss it over to Bradley in a second to talk about the Dragos, but the feeling that once this movie sits me in, it does not feel like it's supposed to be a comic book movie. But they do very comic book, sort of over-the-top, stereotypical things that I don't mind forgiving a comic book movie for. I kind of mind forgiving a serious movie to do. And when when you give me the almost the same sequence from Iron Man 2 and also the same motivations for the counter or the villain from Iron Man 2 to this, like I have some real big issues with that. And I was like this is it it was it felt really really difficult for those characters for me to be realistic to the point where I loved Luf, uh, Lundgren's character in this. I, I think, that arguably, this may be his best role I've ever seen him in. Granted, right, what's his body of work, but whatever. Um, Jennifer and Cop 2. The Expendables. Right? It's just like, I think, so, like, Masters a reserved, a older, yeah, a reserved, a older, a wiser, he still clearly has, like, pent-up hatred, and he has already, and you can see that it's seething, and that has already been sort of projected on his son, and you see how his son barely says, what, seven words in this entire film, which I was curious to see if that dude even knew English or not, but I'm not sure, uh, but it was, it, I, I like the fact that they were setting that up, and I like some of the, the, the things that they were doing, but I'm like, man, this is just way too close to Iron Man 2. Like, I understand that they had, like, a tough going, but 
does it have to be like that stereotypical? Is all like I, I know everywhere in Russia and the Ukraine where they are is not like that, and they don't have like high tech wear and stuff like that. So it felt a little bit too stereotypical, and it, it definitely kind of took me out for a lot of the film because every time that we've seen him, he's doing the same thing: aggression, fighting, beating up people, no remorse, nothing at all. And you, you only look at it and says, I. I don't care about these characters. Like, it's really difficult for me to like be, you know, be in their corner. I'm trying not to use as many boxing puns, but it's going to just come out. <laughs> um, well, you started it with counter. I was like, cool. okay, that's good. Uh, but you know, I try, uh, you know, you try to empathize with these characters. You try to then sit on their side as, Oh, okay. You know, I can understand. I can get it. I can get it for a lot of different villains. And that's where it kind of elevates them as being a character. And their acting is also elevated from that because you can see yourself in their shoes. I didn't care about these characters at all. And there was a couple of moments and I'm like, oh, that's kind of shitty, but, oh, that's kind of weird, but, eh, that's okay. And it, it just kind of took me out to the point that, you know, even near the end of the movie, it, I, I you know, it, I didn't get that emotional sort of attachment that I was looking for. I get what you're saying, what you're saying, Warren, about the, uh, how, oh, like, not all of, like, Russia is, like, Poor and like, and yeah, that's just tracksuits. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but um, but yeah, not all of Eastern Europe is like looks like some like grayscale bombed out hellscape. But I think that was really intentionally done just to show how far and how how far the Dragos had fallen and how much they lost from the defeat to Rocky, which at that point was what thirty years ago in the story uh, in the timeline. Um, it, not only did he lose everything, but he lost his chance at ever getting anything else. And so I think it was supposed to just set us in the mind frame of like, like Rocky says, like these people have absolutely nothing to lose because they've already lost it all. And in their minds, it was all stolen by Rocky. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just want to agree. Like, uh, I mean, it's not really stereotypical and I think they were actually being a little bit subversive on mm. Some current politics happening in the Ukraine as well with that is that and I also third this I love Duff longer into this movie um, it was really cool to see that from Rocky Four, which was the most America versus Soviet Union movie you can think of and when it came out uh, after seeing that you just felt like this I mean, this surge of like just American pride after watching that movie that nothing else gave you. And then shortly after the wall fell and then Soviet Union started to break up, you literally could at a point think, oh, wow, Rocky did it. He beat <laughs> the Soviet Union. It's amazing. And just to see the way they actually created Drago and Rocky Four, where, I mean, the only thing he ever says in the whole movie is, I must break you. And everything else is showing like this great Soviet machine to all the drugs they pump them full of and all the machines they make them punch and everything to uh, to this point where we see the broken Drago and we he actually has a journey through here where um, that scene where he meets Rocky in his restaurant and everything and sits down and they're just starting talking and being cordial and Rocky's just like what are you of all people doing here and Drago all of a sudden his face, his demeanor changes at a, at a second, and just like you see that anger and that rage that he brought into the ring, and Rocky Four come back out, and it's like he took everything from me. I lost, I lost everything, and I'm going to take everything from you. And it's just like, oh wow, he knows how to hold a grudge. This is amazing. Um, that um, 
it was, I always found it. I also found it very interesting that they start off the movie uh, based in Ukraine, but you have two Russian boxers here, and I feel like they were kind of uh, alluding to, and definitely not doing the political stances as in your face as Rocky Four. But think about pro Russians living in the Ukraine probably are not looked at very highly in certain areas of the Ukraine, depending on where they're at. It looks like they were outside of Kiev. So they may have not been people of like people that are considered high regard or worth giving jobs or anything to uh, for work. So mm-hmm. it's definitely makes a lot of sense that they are in the place that they're at, at the beginning of the movie. Um, and it's a, uh, and Dolph Lundgren just does like a fantastic job, and he has probably the second most complex journey of any character here compared to what Michael B. Jordan goes through. Um, but also that I love, like uh, how you mentioned, Warren, uh, the, the actor's name is Florian Montano, um, playing Victor Drago. This is like his first official film. Um, I thought he was actually a really great presence. He is physically imposing what you need to be to be Drago's son to show that you can actually just knock the crap out of someone and make them regret it uh, and I like that instead of him being the Soviet science experiment like Ivan was that he is an experiment of a father fueling his son with all the rage that of his failures and everything onto him and that that's his motivation and we find like what that kryptonite is too so uh, we see yeah he can keep it together and he can destroy anybody you put up to him but once mom comes into the picture he gets a little erratic and it breaks him and he actually has really good moments where Drago's even like has to face up to him and kind of be like Rocky and say look this isn't about you this is about me I was the one that lost you haven't done anything wrong and that actually becomes a very powerful moment and um, there's some very emotional mo- moments here where you're like, hey, I kind of feel for Drag- the Dragos now. It's like they're human beings, just even though they're towering and menacing, they're still human beings that are trying to find a way to make their lives better, which is really cool. Yeah, I uh, I 100% were, were rooting for the Dragos, <laughs> the Dragos in this movie. <laughs> like, I really was. I was in that theater, and I was like, you can do it, Victor. But, um, <laughs> but I'm hoping so why. But first, I want to just like touch on something that you mentioned earlier, Brylan, about that scene in Rocky's restaurant. And one thing that I loved about that scene, there were multiple points in that, that conversation between the two that I thought were great. Um, one, but one was that, you know, like you mentioned, all this rage and all this shame and the being dragged, his having his name dragged to the muck and losing his wife and losing all of his money and losing his home and being kicked out of Russia. Like all that stuff had been happening completely unbeknownst to Rocky in the U S like that was just, that was Ivan's uh, like burden that he was going through. And so for him, Rocky is the personification of everything that's wrong with his life. And for Rocky, it's just this guy who killed his friend, <clears throat> like suddenly showing up in the, re- in the restaurant. And when uh, Ivan, when Rocky and comes up, it's also up, the it's guy just, that gave him severe brain damage too. So yeah. <laughs> and when uh, when Rocky sits down in front of Ivan, uh, the first thing he says is he looks up and he goes, "No pictures of me." And yeah. like that's the, just the cherry on top. Like, despite everything he's gone through, he finds Rocky living a peaceful life with all these pictures of his history and the 
big fight against Drago where he avenged the death of his friend and saved uh, the world from communism um, doesn't even register as something worth putting a, like like re- like memori- memorializing. And that was just such a subtle like kick to the teeth and a great like last thing to happen before Drago unleashed his plan. I love I loved I absolutely loved the subtleties of that moment because I think how they were showing it in the movie was like a like you said a kick in the teeth. I I like the fact that it was Rocky's sort of character work and progression if we've seen that has jumped so far, right? Like he's now not like Rocky is now dealing with some other shit with his family, like the losing of Adrian, where he's not quite dealing with that anymore, but he still goes to her grave. But it's nice that he can say that, you know, he's come to terms. He is now at peace with that one, and he doesn't need to glorify those things that, you know, at a time he maybe not was too proud of himself for being that, that type of person, right? Like, and I think we also see he's trying to tell Adonis, you don't have to be me. I, like, you, you should not be that person. That's not what you should be. You should be fighting for something more. Um, and the movie, Rocky was fighting for vengeance, right? And now that we see that you don't have to do that, you need to be fighting for yourself, for your family, for your future. That's something that he's trying to elicit, and that's something that he's trying to push um, onto Adonis as much as possible. So I really, I really like that subtle, and it was a, it's a one line thing, right? It's like a one line, and I'm like, that's actually that that's really good. That's some really good writing there, and I and I really like the fact that they put that term or they put that line in there just to show Rocky's progression from all these other movies, even if you haven't seen it, right? And this, this is why I like these lines. Even if you haven't seen Rocky 4 um, or you have, because Rocky has had other movies, right? So even if you haven't seen his comeback and stuff like that and how he was fighting and all this shit, that sort of line really kind of fills into the gaps of his progression from, um, you know, off screen and off camera. And I really like the fact that they put that in. Yeah. Um, and another thing about that scene that I really liked specifically in the restaurant is, so I'll, I can go into my, into like a, def- a thesis about this later on, but Drago, Ivan, nor Victor were the, were the villains in this movie. I don't think they were ever villains. Um, in fact, I think that they're the most sympathetic characters and by the end of it, the most heroic in some ways. Um, but in that, in the beginning portion, we still don't know that as viewers, we expect, something bad to come out of their presence in America. And I love that Ivan got to do, uh, do this thing, which you see in like comic books and like superhero movies, uh, that it's something that the, the better villains do. And it's a trope where they, they distract the hero or one of the heroes with dialogue about what's go, what's, what's about what's happening or what's going to happen while that event has already taken place. So that way, there's no break between them being told I'm going to fuck you over and then the results already or the consequences spilling out on the world around them. Um, you can think of this as an example if you ever read Watchmen, uh, the Ozymandias speech at the end, where by the time his, his dialogue gets through and the heroes are like, well, we'll stop you no matter what. And he's like, but the bomb already went off. And then like the ending of the, the, the story continues from there. Um, you know, he has this conversation with Rocky. It's really serious. It's really intense. And the whole time, the press release had or had already gone out and the word had already been go, been going so his plan was already in motion and he was just there to give him that little bit of distraction and also see be there in that moment when uh to, you know when that when everything starts to unwind for the heroes and i just like that from like a from like a super villain trope perspective and it did a good job of setting him up as a villain despite the fact that they were going to subvert that by the end of the movie 
Yeah. The real villain was Ludmila Drago. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was hard. <laughs> I, I would say the real villain's Buddy Marcel and the media. Like, and yeah. I, I, I think they. Like, they put uh, a guy that I watch often, Max Kellerman, um, on ESPN and the media and the hyping up this and the the cameras. Like, I was very surprised the fact how much of a presence the media and this boxing promoter, right? Nobody really gave a shit of the actual people themselves. Everybody only cared about, and I think he even mentioned it of like, you know, we want to see the spectacle and we wanted to see it kind of happen. And it's something that, you know, a reason why truthfully, I actually don't like boxing. I I hate boxing. I really feel like it's probably need to go away sometime soon, but whatever, especially because it has almost equally, if not so many issues with brain. And we keep talking about concussions almost always in the NFL. Yet these people get professionally to get punched around and their brain gets knocked around, whatever. Anyways, um, I think it's really interesting that they kind of put that in here. And he clearly was like a villainous sort of character. Like there was no, I mean, there was nothing that he wanted more besides seeing this fight, knowing for sure that the outcome was Adonis was going to lose um, to, yeah, baby, prime to baby Drago. Yeah. It was it's also a win-win for him. Even if Adonis won, he still comes out on top because he organized yeah. the fight. And yeah. so what's going to happen like is that story. Stephen A. mixed with Don King. Yeah, well, mm. he def- <laughs> thank you. He was definitely a Don King. I was hoping that he had some crazy hair because I'm like, that's, that's definitely a Don King character. Um, so I was curious to see about how they actually kind of um, kind of situated that in and how the media sort of exacerbated and really kind of ignited a Donness so much so to kind of defend his honor and how he's weak and how he shouldn't. And that was like playing on the TV and uh, we didn't see it, but that was playing on the TV and that only kind of fuel put more fuel in the fire. Um, so I, I actually thought that was interesting because you see that now. You know, we see it actually happening now, especially with UFC and boxing, how the media gets in, they run away with the story, and now it's this whole big ordeal when the boxers themselves probably never said two words to each other, you know? Uh, and so I, I, I think that they actually made that into a character pretty much. They kind of went away from it, which I'm glad they went, they did, and went more toward the actual people themselves. Um, but I was curious, right? I was very surprised that they really went a bit more heavy handed, but I think it was intentional. Uh, the fact that, you well, know, don't really, you don't have to also follow and listen to everything that you see out there. Well, that, that ties in really uh, directly to one of the overarching, but maybe less immediately noticeable themes of this, uh, of this movie, which is um, how much of generational trauma is inherited and how much of generation, generational trauma is forced upon yeah. because all of Adonis's hangups regarding his father, like his father wasn't in his life. Right. So like that's something meaningful that affected his life, but it's not like he was avenging the, you know, the memory of the man who raised them or something like that. He was, you know, do, he was avenging the, the notion of being someone who's of knowing that his father was killed by this person. Um, the same thing with Victor, like Victor, Victor was not a bad guy at any point. He was, he Rocky said it himself, he was raised with all of Ivan's rage and hatred and embarrassment and humiliation funneled into him from day one. And uh, Ivan was abusive. Like, we see it in the way he trains him. Like, we can definitely assume that, uh, or uh, not assume, but rather, what's the word I'm looking for? 
uh, pos- not postulate, whatever. We can assume that he definitely was physically rough on that kid when, when he was a kid, whipping him into shape to be this nothing but like a boxing machine to the point where like I've been, or rather, um, Victor doesn't talk in the movie, and I don't think that's because he's dumb, and I don't think that's because he was poorly written. I think it's because he knew that he had no reason to talk, because his his father isn't having nice little conversations with him about life. His father is whipping him into being a machine, and that all boils over in that scene with his mom when he can no longer hold up the facade of just being a strong fighting monster when he has to face the completely unresolved emotional issues that come from seeing his mom who abandoned him. And they had that amazing, amazing di- dialogue in the foyer of this mansion mm. where he's screaming at him in Russian saying like, yeah. why, like, why, why are you to cater going to these people? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they threw you out. They like, wouldn't let you come home. Why are you doing this for them? And you know, Ivan has, I lost. It's because I lost like moment. And I thought that was the most powerful scene in the entire movie. Yeah. And that scene does doesn't work if victor was a talkative character who had his own agency uh it works because he never has his own agency and in that mm-hmm. moment he just can't take it anymore and it boils over um yeah but yeah I so i like the fact that that like these things are forced upon these characters the boxing match was forced upon adonis uh the vendetta against the creeds was forced upon victor and that doesn't like the damage that they receive from that like they're dealing both with each other in the the boxing ring, but the damage that that sort of trauma isn't doesn't start to begin to cut off and healed until Ivan makes a decision to say that I care about my son more than I like I realize that my wife isn't coming back and I care about my son too much to let him continue getting hurt and he throws in the towel and that's the moment where like because the original generation put a stop to it that the actual healing can can begin in a meaningful way and I thought that it was just beautifully done in this in this film. Yeah, absolutely. I was really um, hoping um, at that time, uh, and I'm going to bring this up a little bit later, is that I kind of wanted Adonis to lose this that match at the end so the healing can begin, but it's like to the point where he gives him a draw, and it's like, hey, we'll have a, a rematch when... Like I, we've now, I've you, you you beat me the first match. I clearly beat you the second match. Let's get disqualified. Let's call the draw, and we'll sh- like stop the fight because you're too hurt. Let's have it another draw so that you know the next time, right? And they can actually have a relationship together. That's the one thing I really was missing at the um, apex of this movie, the climax of this movie, and going down is. At what at any at no point did Adonis and Victor ever like have any um, sort of moments of yeah I I kind of I, I get it so I would want to make sure that we have like let's train together or something along the lines of the fact that we have to squash this shit because Victor and Adonis on the same or being like super millennials complaining about shit that had nothing to do with them sort of thing it felt like to me especially and so when they get into that battle and we get into the fight itself I kind of wanted a bit more of like a resolution between them that hey we have to squash this shit for right now but he's clearly a good boxer this guy's a good boxer we should like train or fight sometime and spar or I'll wait till next time something like that like I wanted a bit more of a human and more kind of interactiveness between um, Victor and Adonis that I I felt like they the movie itself didn't want to go there I think 
I mean, I kind of was feeling that way, but also I feel like you need to save some stuff for the sequel, uh, Creed 3, because it's definitely going to happen. And just like Rocky 3, how that ends, that Rocky and Paolo are finally friends, why not have the Drago rematch in the next movie and see if Drago becomes the champ or not? And I think that would be really cool to see like uh to see like these two kids of uh i wouldn't say bitter enemies but one dad killed the others that they are able to find a friendship between this competitive sport so yeah i think that would been that'd be pretty cool but i mean you gotta can only fit so much into a movie yeah so uh, Warren, to your point about how you wish that there was some sort of reconciliation between the characters uh, at the end of this movie, I actually read an interview with Dolph Lundgren where he talked about the fact that they filmed a full scene that was cut out of the movie where after the match, um, Victor and Drago go into the locker room to speak with Adonis and Rocky. And Drago, uh, Ivan has um like gives like has a conversation with adonis giving him props and then goes off to the side with uh with rocky and he and rocky have a conversation to come to terms with their relationship while while adonis and victor have a conversation of their own and he said that uh like for him it was unfortunate that that was cut out because he said that it was a really emotional scene and that he he felt really good about it but um it was just cut out for probably time or pacing or whatever but that was in the original not even just the original script but the original filming of it I feel um, like so maybe in the bonus in the bonus scenes. Yeah. Around, like, oh, you, I don't think they should show that at all in the bonus scene. But I know I, I know what you mean. I feel like that would have. I mean, unless they do a Creed three, right? I really feel like this should have been done. Like I thought at least where this was going, and we'll finish with characters a little bit. But if you're talking about plot, I know I'm talking about plot a little bit, but where the story was going. Adonis is realizing that he has there's life after fighting there's much more things more important than fighting and we don't see that with he he makes that choice he's seeing that he's fighting for Bianca he's fighting for his daughter he's fighting for himself he's fighting for his mom like he now has these reasons to fight I, I just looked at it to the point where then you don't need to fight anymore you're at a place that you can easily walk away and you can forfeit the belt to somebody who may be better deserving. Um, so I felt like this was going to be like the end or it should have been right. And because I didn't get that scene and because I didn't get that reconciliation, I was just like, I mean, if you are going to make a Creed three, I feel like it's going to be another random person comes in and we see, you know, Drago or, uh, we see Victor and Adonis sort of training together. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't know where else we are going to go. Because you already have a family, you're only going to get more and more beat up. Like I think you've already learned your lesson of the the emotional appeal that you're already kind of going to, and I, I think you should call it quits. But who knows? Yeah, Clubber Lang Jr. I, challenges him to an MMA fight, <laughs> something like that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Did someone say Cloverfield Lane? No, no we Clubber Lang Jr. <laughs> I, uh, I like or Thunder Lips Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, just one last thing that comes to mind, or rather that I want to want to address. What you mentioned earlier about how you think it would have been better if they fought to a draw, um, or if there wasn't a resolution to that, or maybe if Victor won, so that they could have a tiebreaker. I actually think that doesn't work for this movie um, because in the first fight, you know, Adonis had no real reason to be in that ring aside from the fact that 
he was fighting the person who was the son of the person who killed his father, which in its own, in and of itself is a, sort of like a constructed reason, like reason to do it. it doesn't have, it doesn't, it's not a, a directly an issue between you two. Um, but after that first fight, Adonis had every reason to have to win that last fight because he needed the comeback, not just for his boxing career, but for the sake of his soul. Like he was broken after that. He spent the majority of the movie, like as a person that he never was at any other point in his life, um, because of how damaging to his body and to his ego that loss to uh, Victor was. So I don't think that he could have walked away with even a draw and been on the right path to continue to be, to become a better champion. Um, I think that he would have remained broken and I think that it would have, it wouldn't have worked as a proper resolution for at least as part of the story. I mean, it's a good call out. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious to see where they go. If they do make a, a, a trequel of this mm. actual movie. Bradley, what else you got for, um, the acting and a character section? Uh, yeah. So I just want to mention some other great supporting actors. So I think Sly still can embody Rocky like nobody else. And, um, because he is Rocky and, uh, he continues to do a great job of being just that mentor and that voice of conscience and reason that, um, that Adonis needs when he's very hot-headed and stubborn. And it's really cool to see them get conflicted where they have to go separate ways in this movie. And uh, it hurts. It, it, I love to see just like how Rocky is just um, hurt, but he is understanding at the same time. When people go their separate ways from him, he doesn't get angry or anything. He's just like, you know, I'm a guy that's lost everything in his life uh, that mattered to me. No matter, it's and his life was never about his money. It was pretty much about Adrian, uh, and that's why he visits her grave all the time. And once Adrian was gone, life was gone, and he's just kind of here and it's just kind of holding on by a thread to uh, see if he can help. A future generation. He feels like an obligation to Apollo to just look out for Adonis and make sure he's a good kid. Uh, and it's uh, and he just does it better than. Uh, I mean, he does this type of thing better than I think most actors are capable of doing. He just has a pulse on what this character should embody, which I really appreciate. Uh, and also Tessa Thompson. Uh, I mean. The first Creed was like the first movie I saw with Tessa Thompson, and I was happy to see that she was able to step back into that role and bring that beauty and that grace and just that perspective of being a musician who's losing their hearing gradually and that we've seen that the hearing's gotten worse. And when they have their baby girl and she goes to the hearing test, just to see that um, that the, their baby, it looks like, does not have good hearing or has low hearing uh, as well, that it's become, it becomes like this uh, thing where uh, they're, they're, they have these weird, these uh, curveballs thrown at them in life. And they're as a, as a couple, as a group, as a team, they're approaching it and that uh, Adonis and Bianca are uh, a family that they have established their relationship to the point where uh, they're married now and they have a kid and a family and that they're becoming their own which is I think is really cool and there's also some moments in here where I like the kind of difference between Bianca and uh, Felicia Rashad's character mm. that uh, if, even if you've seen like the original Rock 
Rocky, Felicia Rashad, as Apollo's wife. She's dealing with the biggest ego on the planet. And she's the only person in the room that can take that ego down. And she's always hard-ass about it, that she just, like, puts him in his place. She can clap back at Apollo, but nobody else can. Um, Whereas Bianca, she always approaches uh, Adonis' frustrations with this uh, grace and understanding that's always really cool. I did want in this movie more of those moments that allow Bianca and uh, Felicia Rashad to shine just because I like their difference in dynamics and their approach to their relationships where Felicia Rashad is uh, that stern uh, person that she's the only person in the room that can tell Apollo to shut up when he needs to shut up because of his giant ego. But I like that when Adonis gets frustrated, that Bianca is always approaching it with this uh, level of grace and understanding and earnestness that makes them a very powerful couple as well. And I, I wish that the movie had more moments like that to uh, kind of show like the the power of like the dis- the domestic moments in the movie versus just the ring as well. Yeah, I was, um, it definitely felt like there's a lot more of them that was cut out of this movie. And I, I'm curious to think that they could have easily, easily overshadowed, um, Michael B. Jordan's character, Adonis. Um, I was very, I, Every time that you see Felicia Rashad on there, she was in like maybe two or three scenes, right? Like speaking roles, she was stealing the scene, and she didn't even have a lot of she didn't even have a lot of dialogue, right? So she easily was stealing the scenes and like absolutely killing it. And I thought it was great, and I love the fact that you had that again. We talked about it, and Mocha brought up the generational because she was there, and she even kind of put him in his place, saying that you don't don't even think like you're doing this for him or for me you're doing this for you and i thought that was a great line that you know you know you had to hear in this movie especially with his mom but man tessa thompson was easily out acting and outperforming michael b jordan on every everywhere of this movie and i was just like it's not even close. They're great. Like I said, they're both great performers, and I really like that. I would love this. I would love to have Tessa Thompson in this movie more, but I think it would have taken away from what they were trying to do with Adonis. Uh, and that's how I'm wondering if that's why we probably didn't get her in this movie as much. Uh, because when we did get her, her lines were great. Her delivery, the, the impact, the emotional impact, especially seeing her... Um, realize because and i love the fact that they had the playing with the hearing aids in and out and they're she's sitting with baby amara and they're doing the test and there's no dialogue right and there's dialogue between adonis and the nurse technician there but she's just sitting with her just crying because you know one of her worst things has come true and she doesn't even have to say anything and she's absolutely killed in this sequence so kudos to you damn she is so great and she's so powerful at yeah. what she does and like definitely an actress that has that knows her craft I, I i'm as much as i would want them as always i want them in more i i think one of the things that would have been like you know i don't i don't really see why I, there was so much focus on adonis because he would have been like almost as if like two main characters when it doesn't need to be so i'm curious to see if they kind of like try to ramp that down a little bit yeah, and kudos to baby Amara. Like, during that hearing test, she didn't 
pay attention to anything that was going on. So I think she acted the part really well. <laughs> um, but uh, just like some other like quick takes on acting, um, I it blew my mind when uh, Rocky visited Robert at the end. And his son is basically the spitting image of Adrian. Literally, he looks like Talia Shire. Yeah, like, whatever, ca- whatever casting agent they got, they did an amazing job because that kid was just like a clone of Talia Shire. It, it blew my mind. Yeah, no, he absolutely looks spot on. Uh, almost to the point where my first thought was, Okay, could this child be directly related to her? And I was like, probably not. Could this child be CGI? And I said, maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad they didn't do that. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm all about the actual characters. I'm really glad about it. I know we want to get into some more of the plot. I know I definitely kind of talked about it. We already kind of alluded to it. I'm curious to see, you know, what other kind of notes that you have about, you know, the plot. Also comparing to the first movie, and if you feel like the impact of the change in director, um, if that has an impact on this movie at all. Rylan? Uh, yeah, so I think um, the uh, director, Stephen Capel Jr., for as much as I've seen, this is like the only thing I've seen of his. I know he's done a couple of independent films. Uh, and I wonder if he's kind of someone that Ryan Coogler is mentoring, kind of like how Rocky mentors Adonis. Um, just because you get like some familiar like pacing and takes that you would see in the original Creed, uh, which I love the original Creed. Um, Not many people can make me cry at a movie, but Ryan Coogler has an uncanny talent that makes me just cry tears uh, whenever uh, I see one of his films, just because he packs them full of emotion, and he's able to generate these really... um, intense and heartfelt moments uh, at the right time. And I think that's kind of what's sort of missing from this movie, that you do have some really cool action, you do have some really cool, intense moments. I think probably the most emotional moment was, like Mocha mentioned earlier, was that talk that uh, Ivan and Victor have at the dinner after um, they see see Ludmilla come in and that's probably like the most emotional thing when Drago says like, it's because I lost and that still is very emotional. Definitely very moving. Just doesn't hit you the same as when in the original creed at the corner of the ring, Adonis is getting beat and then Rocky tells him, I love you. And that just destroyed me uh, when that happened in creed. Um, But uh, you still have a very solid paced, boxing film, sports film uh, that's full of great drama and also great action. And I think one thing that actually works really well in this movie is that they actually pay homage to Rocky IV and the original Rocky movies by all these things with this journey of getting beat down and having to retrain yourself and sports montages everywhere. And even though sports montages could be ridiculous. Um, and if you look back at Rocky four, there's so many montages that even one during one of Rocky's montage, he has a dream of a montage of him working out with Apollo. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, that, um, 
that it didn't really get to the cheesy moments that it actually works and it feel you feel energized by these montages and everything. I love watching them and every and everything. Just seeing the difference where in Rocky Four we were seeing Drago use all this Soviet science experiment stuff to train for this match with Rocky and Rocky's in a hut punching frozen meat or ducking between different logs and chasing deer in the forest and in Russia climbing up running up a mountain and just conquering the nature of Siberia before he actually goes and fights um, goes and fights Ivan Drago and then with this we kind of get a similarity where Adonis is pulled into the middle of the desert in this Mad Max looking boxing uh, gym that Hell, I would love to have it in my backyard if I could. It's like punch tires, uh, hammer the ground until you can't hammer it anymore. Just like this gritty, uh, this gritty, like uh, just visceral action that you get into uh, with the montages, I think is enjoyable and it's fun. And um, I think that uh, that uh, Stephen Capel Jr. He, he definitely probably listened to a lot of like the points that Kugler gave him and um, kind of modeled what he was going for after it. But it is definitely a little bit more, um, I wouldn't say lighthearted, but definitely is more formulaic than mm. what Creed was as well. Um, I do like that, how the boxing matches were choreographed. I felt every single punch that was happening in those rings. So it, everything felt very real. You could see the action very clearly. It felt like really good uh, filmed boxing match that was happening on. Even if the final match got a little bit Hollywood, where we see uh, Ludmilla walk out with her husband at the end, and we see it cut to Victor slowly looking. He's like, Mama, no! Um that's fine. I mean, it works for the dramatic tension that it's actually built up, and then you actually feel kind of sad for Victor at that time, and we know, like, he's probably given up already, so if he tries to get up, he's just going to get his ass whooped by Adonis at that moment, which um, I thought was just a really great setup point for that. Um, even taking the moments to just like see it at the moment where um, Adonis gets his ribs cracked for the first time, just hearing that crunch and just seeing where he hit him, or just taking that left hook that Victor has and just seeing his head just get whipped like almost 360 from that it feels it's amazing and it feels great uh to watch that action happen uh which uh i enjoyed every minute of that yeah i mean so you know the only a couple of things i'm going to kind of talk about is you know you actually mentioned it of uh, you felt like it was more formulaic whereas you know i kind of alluded to it before that i was so surprised they came out with this movie so soon because it felt like it was just getting for a cash grab because Michael B. Jordan it was in the literal biggest movie ever for Marvel in in February and it, you know it, I, I understand that it could have already been in development but beforehand but it did feel a bit rushed that they just wanted to have like this set formula a story that was like you knew what was going to happen in the end of the movie and I was sitting in the movie really hoping that hey surprise me give me something a little different like I, I want to see something different in this Rocky film this is now number 6 right or 7 this is that 
eight. It's like eight, right? Fuck. Okay, so this is number eight, right? So we we know this is only number eight for the Rocky franchise. There are so many other types of fighting movies and boxing movies, and I say fighting because this is the same sort of formula for. Um, you know, karate movies and stuff like that. Like, so going into this, knowing that was the case and they changed directors, I really hope it's for something positive. I haven't read into anything of it. I really hope that it's something like that and not, they're just pulling in, you know, they couldn't get Ryan Coogler. He didn't want to do this. So they got somebody else and they kind of pulled some stuff that they see from Creed one and said, okay, let's like put some stuff on the side and let's kind of fill it up. Let's fluff it up with a little bit of some sideness and let's make a new movie. And the, the, the feeling I got from this one was more of a cash grab because of that. And it wasn't like his own story and it couldn't, um, kind of stand in its own sort of legs uh, because it was it was really treading so much from the emotional impact that we have from the previous one. And I, I found that be a, a bit problematic with the actual movie itself, um, even to the point where, as, and you knew, like, I mean, come on, everybody knew we were going to get a montage, and I know that I was like, okay, let's see how jacked this dude is. Oh, this dude is really jacked. Okay, it's kind of like 300. Alright, cool. Like, the dude is super jacked, and it was, it, it was great. And I'm, I'm definitely not knocking on that at all. I just wanted to see something a little different. Like you knew he was going to win the first fight. You knew at some point he can't, he couldn't lose the second fight because he had to fight him again. So you knew it was going to be a draw and you knew that he was going to win the third fight. And so going into that one, the, the, the stuff in between, it's like spoiler, right? It's like, I already know this. I already saw this trailer seven times before. I, I know what's going to happen. So I really need to focus on if you're not going to give me something new in the fights. And I definitely think, you know, the technology and the choreography in this fight was absolutely stunning and amazing. Um, one of the best I've ever seen in an actual movie. But that's a fight choreography, right? I like the training. They actually did a lot of things that was specific even to the point where something a little bit of a nod to his knuckles were cut up and bloody that he has to put in an ice bath like there are things that they're putting in this actual movie that are very specific and i was really glad they did that but if you're gonna give me the same things i've seen in this act one act two act three right i need to have something a little different in between and i need you to you know at least try to break that formula just a little bit just so that it doesn't feel like it's the same movie i've seen already yeah so, but um when ryan coogler makes that black panther money he can do whatever he wants um yeah. but uh some of the other things that i appreciated that they kind of got from Rocky Four and then just modernized it uh, was also the music. So the music was uh, very reminiscent of a lot of Rocky movies, but I love that Adonis finally got his own theme where Rocky, we know Gonna Fly now is considered like the Rocky theme that he ha- now has this fight hard, fighting, fighting harder song that I felt actually pulled from that song the best way possible and made it just as cool. So I actually really enjoyed that as well. Uh, And then also the ring entrances that they actually made for Adonis were badass, especially the last one when uh, Tessa Thompson is just singing her song. And I liked her like electronic R&B stint that she had that she's leading it in. You see those blue triangles just lead up to the ring. I thought that was awesome but also like Drago's where it's just fire and Russia which is really cool. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the soundtrack for right now. I really like the fact that they ha- they call it Creed Two soundtrack the album, <laughs> uh, and so like they have a lot of songs. And this is just on you know Spotify, but there was a lot of um, songs. There was a lot of hip hop sort of elements that they kind of put in this. That's a lot. Again, much like it was in Creed One, but I felt like they also had like a more um, a fresh approach in like newer music that's actually on the radio and like out and popular now. So uh, I'm glad they actually kind of um, put that into the actual movie. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and the only other thing that I'll say about the uh, the plot is, I I was hoping, and I'm not going to be a Rob and talk about putting on this tin foil theory, but I was really <laughs> hoping the when they when this movie began, did anybody else think that Rocky was dead? No. Okay. No. So the first time because he which, did die at the end of yeah, I know, one. I know, yeah. Um, I'm I'm, a, I'm aware. I'm very, I'm very aware of that. Uh, but the first shot of this movie when he's getting ready and prepared of um, yeah, he's like looking at it, and it's a weird shot because we have a profile view of Adonis, and you see Rocky in the mirror, and he's like in the back. Yeah. I was like. Is Rocky dead? And he hasn't like, like he hasn't come to terms with that yet. Or that's how, like that's his inner coach. His like inner monologue is like Rocky kind of teaching and training him. Is that possible? They kill Rocky off screen, and I know we've seen Rocky interact with characters, but I was still thinking in my head like this movie will be absolutely nuts if Rocky did also happen to die off screen, but still was there. Spoiler alert, like gravity, right? Like it, like I think that would have been like actually kind of pretty, uh, a pretty cool, like a a way to kind of differentiate it up a little bit. But I was also being, I was taking crazy pills on that one. I mean, I was thinking about that as well, like that Adonis would have to be talking to his conscience the whole time during the movie because that is interesting setup of how he actually comes in. It's just like out of focus and then focuses in. It's like, did, did Rocky just apparate into this room? This is pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I kind of get why they did that. They're just like kind of like a very traumatic way of having your stars appear. And, um, and I get that, and but I thought it was like I I did have a fraction of a second where I was like, oh, they're going that way. That's pretty cool. So. I I thought I was I thought it was hilarious. I was just like, oh man, <laughs> and I like I perked up in my seat. I'm like, if Rocky's dead, I am excited about this movie now. Yeah. But it's it's okay. Uh, the only other thing is I felt like it was uh, a lot of things felt too rushed. Um, the, even with the whole training montage, the baby sequences, and the fact that uh, there was an interesting um, there was an interesting take that it was curious at this point if um, Adonis wasn't signing. Um, I was actually pretty curious about that, and I was like, "Oh, uh, uh, but you know, I know at, like Bianca was signing, and he kind of understands some things." But at any point, we've never seen Adonis sign in the movie. 
Um, so I was curious of if we're ever going to see that, and especially because she was taking her ear hearing aids on and off, and I'm glad they had pretty good continuity with those being on and off and what she can hear and she can't hear, even for the marriage proposal. I thought that was great. The um, proposal was fantastic. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was great. It was like very, very, it, I, it was like very like comedic, but it was also like, I like how it was shot. It was really nicely shot. Um, so I was curious about that, especially when Rocky asked, you know, are you going to love her or are you not going to love her? He's like, of course I'm going to love her. Talking about his daughter, if she were going to be deaf um, or hard of hearing. And so I was, uh, I w- it was interesting about that, that they didn't actually kind of explore a, b- a bit of that a little bit more. Now, granted, you know, this movie is always all already, you know, maybe around two hours long. So I get that, but I definitely felt like he, I, I, I needed a bit more from him to embracing, you know, Bianca in his life, not saying that he has to sign all the time, but you didn't see him sign at all. I wanted to see something a bit more of even him doing it maybe with um, his daughter you know, near the end and not just look at, you know, having an um, a ear implant that's going to help them hear. So because sometimes, you know, even it, even in the movie itself, I thought that was going to be a plot point because she was like it was like had like a, a high frequency and I thought it was going to stop working for a moment. But it didn't come back, and I was like, okay, that was weird, but all right. Mocha, what you got? Yeah, this movie was, overall, I think it was a, it was a really good continuation of Adonis' character. Um, you know, the conflict in it was was real. Um, and I think this is an, a big issue with boxing movies, specifically Rocky Cinematic Universe uh, boxing movies, is giving your character some sort of conflict outside of just the next match itself. And, you know, this movie was definitely driven by the series of fights that Adonis had to go through. But the things that were going on between them was more than that. It was about Adonis um, learning what it feels like to not just lose, but to lose completely, uh, which hadn't happened to him prior. It was about him like putting back putting together the pieces of uh ego and pride that were completely shattered in the ring during his first match against victor and putting it back together in a different way so that way he came out a better man and a better like husband and potential future father um and i think that was really the core of what was good about this movie the boxing matches were very cool looking and the fight choreography was fantastic and i honestly don't even know how you begin to like act punching someone in the face that hard and having it look so realistic and like so well shot. I have no clue, but it looks, it looked great. Um, but the real meat of this movie is, you know, is for Donis's character is the in-between times, the times where it's quiet and he's not fighting, which means that he doesn't have an easy answer and he has to figure things out. Um, and I appreciate that it wasn't an easy, easy answer. And I appreciate that, you know, it wasn't just somebody giving him a pep talk and then he came, comes back to him, to himself that it really was, as um i think it was felicia rashad's character maybe it was her or maybe it was rocky but one of them said like this is something that he has to pull himself out of uh he has to do it he has to find his way back back out to the rest of us on his own um and so it was cool to see them like follow that that theme along it was also really cool to have a change up in having the, Dra- the dragos be the underdogs uh, like I mentioned earlier, they weren't villains. They may have started out in a, like at least Ivan was villainous, but Victor wasn't. Um, and the fact that they were underdogs in such an extreme way just was really was really cool from a boxing movie perspective. Like unless I'm misremembering, we don't get that from any of Rocky's opponents 
in any of the Rocky movies. None of them are up and comers that are like really like struggling from the bottom to get up to where he is. They're all people that he has that are already in high places in their careers that he has to then hurdle to get to the next point in his career. Um, so I love the fact that they showed that somebody can come from can come from nothing and still be a challenger, even if they're not the hero. Um, you know, coming off of just just catching up on Luke Cage uh, season two a few weeks ago, they had that that whole uh, like um, re- recurring theme of the man on top of the hill, and how you know for the for the man on top of the, for the for the man at the bottom of the hill, all he has to do is get to the top and do whatever he can to knock him down. Um, and I definitely felt that theme as like a reoccurring element in this in this movie. Um, and that also brings to point something that I wanted to mention earlier, but this is just a good time to say it. You know, it's hard to make a boxing movie, especially when it's a continuation of a franchise where things feel fresh and feel different. Um, Because as Warren was saying earlier, at the end of the day, it's going to follow a a certain structure. And you can move the pieces around as much as you'd like, but it's still more or less the same kind of story being told. Um, And what I like about this movie is that the reason why it broke out of that mold even a little bit, even though Adonis still had a similar track uh, or path for the hero character, but the movie felt different because they expanded laterally. They gave us access to new characters and gave actual motivations and backstory to them in the form of Victor and his whole family drama. And I think that that's the only way this franchise can survive and continue to innovate is if they expand the scope so that it's not just on Adonis's next climb, but on the world around him and what comes towards him from the outside, but give like real meat to those characters and those people. Um, otherwise, it's going to get too too repetitive. I mean, do you feel like at this point, at the end of the movie, and this is a question for both you guys before we round up, like now Russia has lost even more confidence in Victor, right? Like, are they going to have to get, maybe they move to America and then they sit, they start training and fighting together. And then I don't the, think the, the, the snapping happens. Well, the snapping, <laughs> the snapping happens, right? And now I'm just, I'm just kidding on that one. The one thing I, I am, I am kind of concerned about is I do want to make sure that Michael B. Jordan is not being uh, typecast in these particular kind of roles. Um, he has uh, been well when the franchise is called Creed and you're the star of Creed. <laughs> not 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 only Creed, yeah, but like you don't want him to be like this um, bad boy. I'm the character that keeps it real, but I got to learn a lesson type cool. of thing. So I mean, I'm looking at three movies right now. Although it was bad, you know, Fantastic Four. He had the same sort of motivation. Both Creeds, same character, of course, but. You know, he's trying to avenge his father's death of something that has happened. Correct, right? And I'm just like, all right, bitch, that movie came out. Like, come Uncle on, James. like, what's going on? So I, I just want to make sure that he's not getting typecasted in these actual roles. I mean, we've seen Tessa Thompson be everywhere and has done everything. And I think it has been absolutely great that she has such range. I just want to make sure that Michael B. Jordan can get that range, especially because... 
I mean, we've seen, like, now to the point where, especially this day, like, a lot of black actors have a lot of different other range, and, you know, we can take a look at, you know, Daniel, Daniel Kalua has tons of range, right? He's been in the bunch of Lee. Exactly. So, I, I do yeah. want to make sure, like, a lot of his roles I'm seeing, he's 31, so he's super, the guy's super young. I just want to yeah. make sure, like, he's probably going to be in a lot of these roles that we've seen. Chadwick Boseman has acted and done a lot of the same roles. I love him as an actor, but he's done a lot of similar roles um so i just also just want to make sure that they don't kind of keep sticking at him that same thing of oh this young buck gotta learn something but brings a new perspective to it are you saying jackie robinson is t'challa did he play jackie robinson yeah (laughs) in 42 all right, I got. I mean, I, I looked at it. I get him mixed up, so I get I get uh, Chadwick Boseman mixed up with uh, shit. I get him mixed up with another uh, actor. That was like, man, you guys are just going through and playing every famous black dude in history, aren't you? Pretty much. All right, well, do you, bro? Do you? All right. So, what's our lasting thoughts? So, lasting thoughts that we do have for Creed Two, Brylin, what you got for me? Uh, I think this is a very enjoyable sequel to uh, an amazing film. Uh, definitely a sequel that is better than it should be, given its uh, pedigree and the the Rocky movie they decided to make this a sequel of. Um, it's really cool to see how they modernized a lot of this uh, Rocky Four that was heavily jingoistic, heavily about America versus Soviet Union. And then they actually took all that away and still kept like the really cool action things about Rocky Four, uh, but then built a more realistic, rational story around it. So I really love that moment. Uh, I can't wait for Creed 3 where Adonis will box the big show or he'll probably box uh, Brock Lesnar, who knows? <laughs> It'll be very amazing and probably just as cheesy as Rocky 3 if they do it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm really hoping they don't like have a box of robot or something. Be stupid, Mocha. What you got? There was a robot in Rocky Four, so <laughs> anything's possible. Um, yeah, I think that Creed Two was a good movie. I don't think it was a better movie than Creed One. Um, that's not saying anything negative about Creed Two in that regard. They're both good, but I think Creed was just better and like a better first experience in watching it. Um, however, I also think that Creed 2 was a perfect place to stop Adonis' story. Um, I really think that like the revolution of, that we got from his character, coming back from being broken, the maturity he achieved, the fact that it ends with him cementing his place as champion, not just having the belt, and then also being able to start his family, having avenged his father's death. like All these things, these, these loose ends for his character were tied up perfectly here, and I think it, that should be the end for his character. Now, I'm also not dumb, and I understand how Hollywood works, and this movie has been successful for its opening weekend, and will continue to bring in money, which means we're going to get a Creed 3. However, I'm not interested in that movie unless it's a flash forward to see Amara's fighting career. Um, <laughs> I want to see Amara Creed doing her thing uh, like 17 or 19 years in the future. I don't know how old you have to be to be a professional boxer. Um, 18? Uh, 18? So, I don't know, some age. Anyway, that's what I think uh, yeah. regarding this film. Uh, also, if like Warren, you haven't seen enough of Michael B. Jordan's range, uh, air quotes, I suggest you go back and take a look at the first few seasons of The Wire and watch him as a little kid playing Wallace um, over in Baltimore because that was a solid role for him as a, as a kid actor. And if you haven't seen The Wire, then you need to. 
I need to. That's another very similar role, though, from Black no. Panther. Not not Creed. That's another similar role from Black Panther. It, no, it's it's so different. Like, yeah, he's a poor kid in the in the in the hood, but like those two characters have a very different trajectory in their life. Well, does yeah. it say those boys, hey, those boys are and the wire? Yeah, he probably, he probably does. Nah. Uh, yeah, so um, it's going to be much more of like the echoing. You know, th- I felt like this was a good sequel. Um, definitely not better than the first one. I know we would talk about comparing. Um, I really, I was really hoping for some something different. I already know. I can already feel like they're going to come out with a three, a Creed two. That they're going to change it up. But who knows? What's that going to be? That big sort of grab. Um, I really don't want to see his family boxing. Uh, I think that'll be kind of interesting, especially if her daughter, or if their daughter is deaf or hard of hearing, of her boxing. It, that's all. I think this is going to be an absolute mess. Um, but we never know. I re- I would really like to see if this franchise is like now done and that'll be great and it'll be cool to see if you know rocky goes and start tra- um starts training with uh victor you know if that's going to be the next step if we see that um i think it'll be pretty cool but kind of l- let the creed story go and maybe go rocky legacy or something like that right the next name of it but so that's just alone you also got to stop making these movies man like i know these getting you a lot of money <laughs> but Come on, like I'm good. I'm good to see you. But I think it's an enjoyable movie. I think people are going to like it. You know, I don't. I don't think you know. We call a lot of movies popcorn flicks. I don't think it's a popcorn flick. I know it's definitely better than that. It has a lot of stuff, a lot of good detail that I think a lot of people need to watch the movie for. But it's probably still falls flat and, like Brylan said, a bit more formulaic. And I just have some issues with that. And with that, thanks so much for joining us. We are the Down in Front Podcast, hanging out with you, as always, for our review of Creed 2. Bradley, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me posting random thoughts on social media, but only once I actually walk up to my computer with a bunch of flames coming out of the sky, do I actually post something at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also find my mini movie reviews on uh, Instagram at I am Bryland. I've recently posted one for uh, the I was about to say the Legend of Bagger Vance, but no, it's the uh, <laughs> That's a great the movie. Ballad of it is uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, and also the Girl in the Spider's Web. So you'll definitely check out those mini reviews, and also just want to let you know that the uh, Down and Front Gamescast take a little bit of a hiatus. We're going to kind of rethink this Twitch approach, uh, see if we can design something, make it look cooler, look sexier, and see if we can make it a little bit more thematic across a certain thing. So definitely love still playing games, but got to take a little bit of break and just revision what this is going to be about. Nice. I like that word revision. 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 Perfect. Uh, Mocha, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter, Breaking My Enemies, at Mocha Mike LI, as the Lord intended. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who owns that username is hiding in Crimea and is outside of my jurisdiction. <laughs> um, so until then, it's Mocha Mike LI. You can also find me on Instagram at Mocha Mike, where I post some of my photography work, uh, and on medium.com at Mocha Mike. 
however, you cannot find me on Tumblr. Uh, now that they've officially removed porn from their platform, I have absolutely no reason to be there. So you can find me at the other aforementioned social media sites instead. We got two weeks, bro. We're good. We got two weeks. Oh, man. Get it while you can. I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do with those two weeks. Uh, <laughs> and it ain't wrapping presents. <laughs> Uh, we have the Down in Front Podcast. Check out one of our work at downinfrontpodcast.com. You'll be able to see our current episodes, our video teasers, along with all their previous works. We have the GameCast information, and we have partners information there. There you can find more of our work, like their friends with blends, a side sort of wine sort of blog that we end up kind of doing, along with my new span with our fellow co-host, Michael Blewett. Um, for our information on Twitter, it's at underscore DAFP. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. If you like our introduction, music and our outro music along that's actually created by Michael Blewett so that's going to be at our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com podcast. find us on YouTube and if you actually like for what we do you actually want to support us, think about becoming a patron, it's the giving time, it's the holidays patreon.com slash downinfrontpodcast you get bonus episodes early episodes and you actually become a guest on our show so thanks so much for everybody super pumped, super excited Brylin, what is our next review that we are Going to uh, our next review that we're doing is Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, I'm I am pumped for that movie. The trailer looks I, real good. I'm the people s- have spoken. I'm super <laughs> shocked. I was like, oh, yes. okay. I guess I'm going to go watch that movie. All right, damn uh, right you are. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> We'll wrap it up. I'll talk about that. We're we're done. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Hug your children. I still can't believe that. Yeah, when I saw that that won the votes, I was like, did uh, everybody have like a weird fever dream? It's like, oh, costume movie. Let's go see it. I I, I watched the trailer and I was like, sold. I haven't seen it. Did I open it up?